0: Well good morning. Happy New Year. You know, it's interesting, every year for with the youth group we I make a, a theme for the year. And I thought when we entered 2020 it was so um relevant to have a year of clarity. And honestly I, I can't I have to say that it was anything but a clear year. Um it just didn't seem like things went the way we, we really wanted them to at all. And it just it was a challenging year in general. But God remains good. God remains on the throne, and I'm so thankful for that. This past year has been like any other that we've faced before. And that seems to be the sentence that we've heard again and again. It's almost a cliche now. Um, this year has caused us to stop or even just slow down. But it's, we've faced many hardships and losses. We've lost loved ones, we've lost jobs, dreams, we've lost hope. And though we were forced to slow down this year, we never really had the time to grieve the losses that we've faced. And for some of us, we live in a daze, a fog, we're just living from day to day in a blur, without focus. In our time together this morning, I want to encourage you to not lose focus. This is a year to refocus. When our focus is on Jesus, things change. The si- the situations we're may not change, or they may change when we focus on Jesus. But how we face that situation changes. I believe there's two things that can... Help us as we remember as we uh, enter this new year to avoid losing our focus. First, we want to remember whom we put our trust in. And second is, remember the promises that you've been given. So first, I'd like to look at uh, to remember whom you have put your trust in. And if you want to open your Bibles, if you have your Bibles with you, uh, Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 to 33. Matthew fourteen, twenty-two to 33 Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone. And the boat, which the disciples were in, was already a considerable distance from the land, but buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw them walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, Jesus said. Then Peter got down out of the boat and walked on the water and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and he began to sink. And he cried, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith. He said, Why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down, and then, then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Here we have Jesus away from his disciples. He had just finished ministering with them, and he was going to take a time away and in, in pray, and sent them ahead. And he would join them afterwards. And I'm pretty sure he, he knew he was going to walk in water and he knew all the things that were going to go down. But it surprises us again and again. The disciples went across the lake and faced a storm, a storm unlike they had faced before. Being fishermen, this says a lot. The, the storm They were on the water a lot. The storm was so strong that they couldn't make headway. In the Hebrew context, water was gave this idea of chaos, and it gave this idea of times of trouble, and this is what exactly what the disciples were facing. For many of us, as from a young age, we are warned to be careful of the water because water can be dangerous. Even as babies, where when you take a baby into the bath, you you be very careful with it because you leave it for a second, and and the baby could turn over and and drown, and just it's can be very dangerous. And as even as adults, we're told to be careful of the water because we don't know what can happen in a storm or s- such. A number of years ago, I I took a I was with a group of youth who were serving in Mexico. And One day we were taking some time off and we went down to the beach and the beach was pretty busy but there was one section that was empty and so we thought we'll just go sit over there and and everyone put their stuff down and it was a warm day being down in Mexico and immediately some of the youth, and one of the leaders jumped into the water and started out swimming and having fun and next thing you know they're calling out to the people on the land and we quickly found out that this the reason that this area of the beach was clear is because there was a bad riptide in that area. And the youth and the leaders that were in the water there were being pulled out into the Atlantic Ocean. From the shore, we were a bit panicked. We didn't know what to do because no matter what the people in the water did, no matter how strong they, of swimmers they were, they were not able to make pull any closer to the shore. It was just a time of panic. And water can do that to you. Just what, what were we going to do? Were we going to lose people there? Thankfully, no. There was someone in our group who had, had experience with the ocean and told the people swimming to immediately swim to the side rather than towards the shore. And they were able to r- swim out of the riptide, thankfully. And they were once they were out, they were able to swim to shore. A scary experience for sure. Water can be dangerous, and the disciples knew this. Even the disciples who were fishermen who made their living from being out on the water knew that it couldn't be totally trusted. Verse 24 says that the boat was a long ways off from shore and buffeted by the wind and waves. In the book of Mark, his account tells us that the disciples were straining at the oars because the wind was against them. So strong. Where with Jesus? Jesus was far off on the land. How often does it feel like Jesus is nowhere to be seen? The storms of life are so great. And if Jesus really loved us, wouldn't he be here with us? If he really loved us, he'd be here. Or at least that's the way it feels to us the whole time that that the disciples were struggling, Jesus could see where they were. The storm wasn't a surprise to him, and he begins to walk out to them. The storm is no issue for him. He walks right through it. And quite quickly, in fact, because it says, as uh, as we read in the book, the account in Mark, that he was almost going to overtake them So it's almost like it was a race. They're they're being buffeted by the waves, and they can't get any farther forward, but Jesus can, no problem. The storm is no issue for Jesus. The storms that we face are no issue for Jesus. Peter calls out, when he sees, if that's you, he makes a bold trust call here. He says, if that's you, tell me to, to walk out to you, and I'll walk to you. I don't know how many of us would take that thing, take that step, that first step out of the boat. You know, maybe the rest of the disciples are uh what were watching Peter and going, why didn't I do that? Or maybe I should do that too. But they, they've seen him take those steps of of faith and he's walking on water towards Jesus. This is huge for Peter. Peter has seen Jesus do miracles after miracle. He knows. That Jesus is trustworthy. He trusts Jesus enough in this bold act of faith. Peter jumps out of the boat. And sure enough, he's able to walk on water. And then the reality of Peter's situation catches up with him. Verse 30. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and he began to sink. Then he cried out, "Lord, save me!" Peter was focusing on Jesus more than the storm at first. His focus was all—the storm was all around him. Yet he had his eyes on Jesus. There was a storm around him for sure. The storm didn't stop when Peter was walking on the water, but he had his eyes on Jesus. And then his eyes caught the storm again. He panicked. He lost trust and lost his focus on Jesus. He began to sink. Now there were two choices to be made here. He could continue to sink in the storm, the storm that he was facing, or he could call out to Jesus again. Call out to Jesus, Lord, save me. Later that Jesus would rebuke Peter, for his lack of trust. Peter had Jesus right in front of him. He, would, he lost his focus on Jesus. Jesus never stopped being with Peter. He was never that original thing that Peter said, I'm going to walk to you if you call me. That's, that invitation was still there. But Peter got caught up in the, the, with the storm of life, the storm that he was facing, rather than the one who would called him. Jesus never stops being with us ever. But in panic Peter, just like us, we re- need to remember who we put our trust in. I want you to turn with me now to to Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8 verses 22 to 25. One day Jesus said to his disciples, "Let us go to the other side of the lake." So they got into a boat and set out. As soon as as they sailed, Jesus fell asleep. A squall came down on the lake so that the boat was being swamped and they were in great danger. The disciples went and woke Jesus saying, "Master, master, we're going to drown." Jesus got up and rebuked the wind and the raging waters, the storm su- subsided, and all was calm. "Where is your faith?" He asked his disciples. In fear and amazement, they asked one another, "Who is this?" He commands even the wind and the water, and they obey him. Again, we find Jesus and his disciples on the water. You know, After you face enough storms, maybe you don't go out to the water anymore. I don't know. Um, this this time, all in the boat together, Jesus was with them, and Jesus falls asleep. A squall falls upon the lake. And squalls, these storms would just, they were like funnels that just dropped onto the lake, and it was because of the landscape of the area, the geography, that these storms would just come upon the lake quickly. And again, this was... A huge one for the disciples to be worrying this much, for fishermen to be worrying as much as they did. Some, somehow, Jesus slept right through it. You know, he had complete peace. I don't know if I talk to people who are um, on boats and most people don't sleep very well when they're on boats. Maybe there are some. But Jesus, for Jesus, it wasn't a problem. You know, he had perfect peace. He is the, pr- the prince of peace after all. The storm was bad enough that it began to sink the boat. And it says that they were in great danger. The disciples woke up Jesus. Maybe Jesus can do something. We, we're all all out of, you know, we have no idea what to do next. And so Jesus, Jesus, wake up, please. We're, the sto- storm is sinking our boat. We don't know what to do. Jesus, without a blink, was up and calmed the storm. That should be the end, right? But no. Jesus turns to them and asks them, Where is their faith? Where is their trust? Again and again, the disciples had seen what Jesus had done. They know what he was capable of. And in fact, they had given up their whole lives to follow him. Would he really desert them now? They had the Son of God with them in a storm, but again, they lost sight of that. We feel at times that God is asleep and has forgotten us. In fact, the reality is that in the storms, we need to draw closer to to Jesus. Closer to the one that we have put our trust in in the first place. He is in the boat with us. Each storm that we face, he's with us. No matter how grave the circumstances, he hasn't left us. I remember a, a friend of mine in Bible college um, lost his father, who was a great man of God. He was a teacher at the Bible college, and he would go out and share and just had a heart for evangelism, and, and people were, he, God used this man to, to reach numerous people for, for Christ And he was killed in an accident, and my my friend was struggling. He's like, God, why did you let him do this? Why why did you let him die? You're sovereign. You're in control of everything. You could have stopped this. And it it was really hard for a while. Then he started realizing that God used his dad for so many things, and that he was able to turn his trust back to Jesus even though in a hard time where he lost someone so precious to him that through it all, he could still trust Jesus. It's so easy to think we'll, we'll take care of things on our own rather than trusting God. But even you know, in our stories, we see the, these fishermen who knew how to take care of things in a storm. They're facing storms that were far bigger than them and they couldn't do it on their own. But we need to remember the one whom we've put our trust in, because He will bring us peace in the storm. Maybe the storm won't end. In these stories the storms Jesus got them through the storm physically, but sometimes the storm doesn't end and it the story doesn't end like we want it to, but Jesus continues to be with us. He doesn't leave us. So we need to remember whom we've put our trust in. The second thing I believe that will be helpful for us to not lose our focus in 2021 is to remember the promises you've been given. This whole book is chock full of promises. They're promises for you, promises for God's people. But how can we know these promises unless we're in the book? We need to be people of the book, people of the word. Not just a little, not just, you know, I'll sprinkle myself with a a little bit, you know. um, Brianna just made a a cake, a birthday cake, and she put sprinkles on it. And she put them just in all the right places and and stuff. But we don't, don't want a few sprinkles. We want them covered. When we think about the word, we want to be in the word and just saturate ourselves in, just soaking it in. We want to read the word until it gets through to you. And as you come across promises, commit them to memory. Write them down. Put them on post-it notes on your mirror in your, your bathroom or by your bedside table that you can come across them again and again that you remind yourself of, of these promises. And I'd like to just remind you of a few promises that were given from God's word for you to remember matthew twenty eight nineteen nineteen twenty eight nineteen and twenty and this is one that many of us know from heart um, it's a great it's a great commission and it says, therefore go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now, this is a, a, a call to us to go share the gospel, go share the good news you've received. But the promise I want you to remember in here is that he says that he is, as we go do that, he is with us to the very end. That's a huge promise, that he will never, ever leave us. In fact, when Jesus died and rose again, um, he, left, he sent the Holy Spirit to be with us that we God would be with us always. Where Jesus was with his disciples physically for a time, he sent Jesus sent the Holy Spirit that he would always be with us. With uh, Jesus promised to be with us to the very end. And this promise is incredible. When you think about the fact that especially the first followers of Christ, they were doing things on their own. They, they went out and they were going to go share the good news. And they faced all sorts of persecution for that. Yet they knew they had the promise of God being with them always. Next, uh, Romans eight thirty eight and 39. Romans eight thirty eight and 39 says, For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither the present, nor the future, nor any power, neither height, nor depth, nor anything in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. As believers, nothing at all the Apostle Paul lists a number of things here. He says that, that can't separate you from God's love. Death? Nope. Life? Nope. Angels or demons? Nope. Nope. Uh, powers? Nope. Present or the future? Nope. Height or depth? Nope. The, then Paul puts an add-on that kind of reads kind of like this. I've covered... Everything, but just in case I've missed anything, I'm going to say nothing in all of creation can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So all of creation covers everything. There's nothing that can separate you from God's love. There's nothing you've done that will stop God from loving you. Jesus can forgive you. And through all the stuff we've done, all the stuff that we're going through, God's love remains for us. It's such an important promise to hold on to that you would remember that we can remember that God loves you. The struggles you have, you face today, you're not alone and God loves you through it all. And then Romans 8:28. And we know that in all things God works for those for the good of those who love him who are called according to his purpose. Let me read that again. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him who are called according to his purpose. God works all things for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. This doesn't mean that everything will turn out all right, that the storms will pass and things will be perfect, but rather that God will use the situation for good. This means that you may or may not see what you've gone through, you, that, what it will be used for, but you can be assured that God will use it. All sorts of examples I could give, but the one that is close to home Is for my wife. Her first husband was extremely sick for three years. Three years before his death. And an extremely painful time to go through for her. She prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed that he would be healed. In fact, there were people all across the world that were praying for his healing. Those prayers were not answered in the way that they would have hoped for. They were not answered in this lifetime as we know that he's in heaven now without any pain and in perfect peace. So how did God use this situation for good? Well, my wife would tell you that during this time of extreme sickness that they were able to testify of God's goodness. Even through all of what her husband went through, to the staff and the other residents that were there, her husband could have a smile on his face. Even in the end, he he was able to tell a joke and made people laugh, and um, just an incredible testimony. and And people were wondering, how do you do this? How did Melody do this? And she's able to, by God's grace, testify of God's goodness and his love for them. And she's seen people who had hard hearts towards God turn towards him. She would tell you that she would do it all again, knowing that God had used it. So whatever you're going through, whatever you have gone through, in this past year, take heart and remember the promise that God will use it. There's one more promise I want to share with you. You know, there's so many, and I, like I said, I want to encourage you to continue to be in the word and just just drawing close to God and just digging deep and remembering the promises he's given you. But this last one is in Philippians 4, 6 and 7. Philippians 4, verse 6 and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. I remember in Bible college having to memorize this verse, and it was in a different version at the time. And to memorize it, I read it over and over and over again, and usually that's the way I have to work to memorize things. I have to read them over and over and over again. And it just got through to me that what was better? What would I rather? Would I rather dwell on this, the worry or would I rather put it off to God? to give it to God and, and have his peace. It's so easy to be anxious and to worry. That's the thing we take on so easily as, as human beings. In general, we, we just take it on. It's just we start worrying about things. But here we are called to take what we are worried about to God, that he would replace it with peace that passes all understanding, that would guard our hearts and our minds. Wow, <laughs> that seems like an easy trade-off. Wouldn't you rather give have peace and than, than struggle and worry? It seems so easy, but I don't think it's very easy at all to take back, to be able to say, here, God, I'm going to give you this worry, so I give you control over it rather than me. But it's a great promise to do. And you know what? what I found is sometimes we give it over to God and we have that peace and just carry on. But There's other times I'll have that peace and then I'll start to worry again. And I'm like, God, I need you to give this to you again. I need your peace. And you have to do it again and again. And and maybe you'll have to do it several times in a day. But continue to go back. Though what you're going through or have gone through is deep and may be full of pain, we can have the peace of Christ. You know, the, the way I, I like to, to see it, I, I see Psalm 24, uh, sorry, Psalm 23, verse 4. says, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, and your, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. God is bigger than the situations we go through. So remember the promises given to you. Take hold of these few promises that I've given you. Dig in deep and find more promises. Remember the promises that have been given to you in his word so that you don't lose focus in 2021. Today, I've wanted to encourage you after the year we've had and starting our brand new year, don't lose focus. I've challenged you to remember to put your trust in Jesus. The one you have put your trust in. He's so worthy of our trust. And perhaps you need to re- recommit that trust today. By saying, Jesus, I've been distracted. I've lost my focus. And I want to put my full trust in you again. Is that you today? Or maybe you've never put your trust in Jesus. You've never said... Jesus, I'm going to put my full trust in, and faith in you. The Bible says that today is the day of salvation. Today is a good day to do that. Today is the day to ask God for his forgiveness and give your life to him. Whether you've come through, whatever you've come through, or whatever you may go through, remember, Remember the person, the the one you've put your trust in. And remember the promises you've been given. Don't lose focus. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to go to the communion table. Father, thank you that you are with us. Throughout the storms of life that we face, we've put our trust in you. And we know that sometimes, even when we don't feel that you're there, you are there. The reality is that you promised to never leave us or forsake us. So God, I pray for those who have gone through the storms of life this this year, especially. God, I pray that you just be especially close to them. That you remind them of who you are. And that you're, that you're worthy of their trust. God, I pray that you continue to bring forth your promises to our hearts and minds that we would remember them in our times of struggle and that we wouldn't lose focus of, on you, Jesus. We thank you for that. And as we come to the communion table, God, we're just so thankful for the, the gift of life that you've given us. In Jesus' name, amen. Today, as we close uh, our service, we'll close with communion. And communion is another uh, act to help us not lose focus. In the early church they gathered whenever they gathered they they had communion together. For us we have communion once a month. Um I'd encourage you if, if you haven't got if you're in the sanctuary today and you haven't got one of these just slip out back where one of the ushers can get grab you one if you put your hand up. Um just the elements that, that we could take together to remember what God's done for us, what Jesus has done. It causes us to remember whom we put our trust in and what he has done for us with his death upon the cross. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Verses 23 to 26. Do this whenever you you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's give thanks for the bread. Oh Jesus, we just want to stop and say thank you. Thank you for your body that you've given for us. Your body was broken on the cross, and we just give thanks. In Jesus' name. This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's partake together. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it, drink it in remembrance of me. Lord, we're thankful for the the work on the cross that you paid the, the price of our sins by the shedding of your blood. And we do this now in remembrance of you. Thank you. take together. Let's close in prayer. Lord, thank you. God, we just thank you for today. We thank you for a new year. And we want to commit to you. We commit ourselves again to, to walk faithfully before you. God, you are Our God, let us serve you with all our heart. God, I pray for my friends both here in Sanctuary and online that they would just continually draw closer to you this year. That in whatever situations they face, that they would seek you out, knowing that you have never left them, that you're right beside them. God, we thank you for the gift of life that you've given us. I thank you for all the joys and the, the ups and downs of life. We just give you praise, and we just want to thank you for who you are. We commit this to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Go with God.